Hey, Father, we do believe. We stand before you proclaiming that belief and also admitting our unbelief. We do believe, Lord, help our unbelief. That's what the man said to you, and you do. So we gather together today to be strengthened in our belief. We gather together today under the umbrella of the name of Jesus Christ, the name that makes demons flee, the name that brings life to dead things, the name above all names, the one who was and is and is to come, the Almighty. We gather to celebrate and proclaim and to bask in the beauty that is Jesus Christ so that you might press your image into our very souls. Lord, what we are not yet, use this time to make us. For the fame and the glory of your name, we pray these things. And all God's people said, Amen. Please remain standing for the reading of the Word of God. I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't father, follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. Those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant, so he explained it to him. I tell, or to them, I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them rich and satisfying life. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. You know, we're, um, it's, it's November now, and so I know I, I, I was trying to push us into celebrating Christmas early, which we've never done as a family, like, you know, to start putting up our decorations and listen to Christmas music, and I got vetoed, um, but I also have sort of been preparing my heart, even through this series that we're in, in the I Am's, about celebrating the coming of the Savior. And so there is a scene in Luke chapter 1, before Gabriel comes to Mary to tell her about the birth of Jesus. Gabriel comes to Zechariah, who is a priest, fulfilling his priestly duties in the temple, and Gabriel shows up and says to him, you highly favored one. It's real similar to what he says to Mary, that your wife Elizabeth is going to have a son, and he's going to be in the spirit and the power of Elijah, and he's going to prepare the way for the one that is coming. And do you remember what Zechariah says to Gabriel? Now, now, before I give you the answer, we got to remember, guys, we, angels, first of all, are real, and we're going to see that today, and second of all, they're not little fat baby cherubs, <laughs> right? Like angels, every time, and we'll see it in a minute, that someone sees one, they end up flat on their face. So, so when Gabriel is talking to Zechariah, there is no mistaking that this is anything other than a divine being. And he says, 
I have come to give you this news that your son, your wife is going to have a son, and that son is going to prepare the way for the Savior of the world. And Zechariah says, how do I know you're telling me the truth? And Gabriel's like, I can just kind of picture him like, what? And he says, and he says, I am Gabriel, and I stand in the presence of God. And because you didn't believe this promise, you will be silent until it is fulfilled. Now I have to ask us a question. Do we believe? Do we believe in the promises of God? Do we really believe he is who he says he is and he is doing what he says he's doing and he will accomplish what he says he is accomplishing? Like that's what the I am's are asking us. That's what Jesus is saying over and over in these seven I am's found in the gospel of John. He's asking us the question, do you believe it? Do you believe that I am the I am? And so I can think of no better way to go into the Christmas season and focus our eyes on the promised one than to look at those seven promises. And so we started a couple weeks ago with, at the bottom of our little circle there, with the wheat there, that I am the bread of life. Last week I preached on I am the light of the world. Today it's the I am the gate or the door, depending on your translation. Then next week will be the I am the good shepherd. The week after that is I am the way, the truth, and the life then I am the resurrection and the life, and I am the vine. But the question about all of those things is, do you believe it? And I would say, even in light of our gospel moment and a lot of what was prayed for during our prayer time, are we helping others see that so they'll believe it? Right? Like, we're not just here so we'll believe. We're here to proclaim that good news, just like Gabriel did, so they'll believe. So with that, would you turn to... Daniel chapter 10, not John, we'll get there, Daniel chapter 10, because guys, what we, part of why we struggle with, with being on mission, part of why we struggle with our belief is because we are so intellectual as Westerners. We have so downplayed the spiritual part of our walk with Christ, and all of these seven I am's are spiritual things. Right there, it's part of a spiritual journey. What Jesus is trying to, he's trying to pull them then and us now into this idea of like, guys, what you guys have been worshiping physically, I am the spiritual essence of, and I'm here to give it to you. But we freak out about that in the West. We just do. Why? Because there, there are reasons. Because things like astrology, the New Age movement, things like Eastern mysticism have grabbed a hold of the spiritual world because they're being led by the prince of darkness who is spiritual, and they've used them. But as an overreaction to that, we're like, throw away everything spiritual and just be, phys- and just be intellectual. And we, and we just cannot be that way. We cannot do that. Guys, everything is spiritual. It just is. Like, if we really believe what the Bible tells us, there is a spiritual element to everything. So you're in Daniel chapter 10. If you, do you remember? Like, just the, the Bible is really clear about this. And either this sort of spiritual stuff just doesn't happen anymore, or we've just gotten rid of it. Because there's another scene similar to what we're going to see here in Daniel 10. You remember where Elisha and his servant are in this city, they're being pursued by the king to kill them, and Elisha's servant wakes up early in the morning and says, 
um, while we're in trouble because this army has surrounded the city. So he goes to Elisha and he's like, man, we're in trouble. What are we going to do? And do you remember what Elisha says? He says, don't be afraid because the one with us is greater than the one with them. And then he prays, Lord, open his eyes. His eyes were already open. He'd seen the physical. He saw the army. He's the one that reported it. So what in the world is Elisha talking about? Well, do you remember what happens? And the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw like a flame of chariots, these mighty angels circling the city and they pretty much wreak havoc on that army and Elisha and his servant escaped freely. Now let's look at this picture, this, a similar scene in Daniel chapter 10 just to set the table for where we need to be today in this, in this message in John 10. Daniel has been praying for 21 days. For three solid weeks he's been praying and fasting and I'm just gonna pick it up in verse 10 for the sake of time, he sees this vision. He, sends up, he ends up flat on his face, and it says in verse 10, And behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And then he says, And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved, understand. Do you ever wonder why, like, Gabriel comes to Zechariah that way? Gabriel comes to uh, Mary that way? This angel that was probably not Gabriel was, comes to Daniel. It's because they're so freaked out, the first thing out of their mouths needs to be, it's okay, I'm on your side. Right? So they don't. So, he does, so, so Daniel doesn't pass out again, which he actually does a couple times in the scene. But it says, he says, I understand, I've come, greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you, and when, and when he had spoken these words to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, fear not, Daniel. Guys, remember, this is the guy that was in the lion's den, right? And he's t trembling at the presence of this angel. And he says, fear not, Daniel, for, for the first time, from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humble yourself before God. So 21 days earlier, your words have been heard. So the minute you prayed them, God heard them, and I have come because of those words. What took him 21 days? Here's what took him 21 days. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me those 21 days. Guys, that is a demon from the pit of hell. If we don't believe in spiritual things, how are we going to believe in the spiritual warfare that's going on here? And the only question we can ask is, is this true or not? And the answer is, it's in the Bible. So our answer to, is it true or not, ought to be, yes. thank you. Okay, so he's got, we're going to keep going here. It says in verse 14, and, they, and, and, and I came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days, for this vision is for the days yet to come. Now in the interest of time, just jump down to verse 19. So he has this interaction with these beings. He keeps falling flat on his face again. And he says, Oh man, greatly loved, fear not. Peace be with you. Be strong and of good courage. And he spoke to me. As he spoke to me, I was strengthened. And I said, and said, Lord, let, let, let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. And then he said, do you, have, do you know why I have come to you? But now I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. That's a demon, not an earthly king. A spiritual king. And it says, and when I got and, and when I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will come. And then he says, and, and I will tell you that what is inscribed in the book of truth, there is none who contends by my side except Michael, your prince. 
And when we taught through Daniel back in 2019, we talked about how our prayers strengthen the angels on our behalf. He's saying, that, he's saying your prayer was heard by God and it is, it is empowering this mission to go forward in the heavenlies and here. So here's the thing. How does this work? You're like, wait a minute, we're here to talk about the seven I am's. Why are we in Daniel? Right? Here's the thing. When Jesus busts out on the scene with something like, I am the door, we have to stop immediately defaulting to the physical and start immediately asking, what is the spiritual truth to what he is saying? And I think you're going to see today through John 10, 1 through 10, that it's bigger than just what we think. Of course, and I'm going to say this a few times today, of course Jesus, the door, is the way of salvation. But he's going to say that later. In John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Right, So it's got to be not less than I am the way into salvation, but it's more than that. And that's what we're going to see today. So as we come to a passage like John 10, where it seems a little weird, like I am the door, what in the world is that about? We need to remember some of our training, training to teach God's truth. We need to always remember, it's been a while since I've said this, context is king. We need to constantly not just pull verses out and go, okay, let me see what I need to do with this. We need to ask these questions. Why is this sentence in this passage? Why is the passage in this chapter? Why is this chapter in the book? And then why is this book in the Bible? That will tell us what God wants us to know about John. Now, here's what's great about the Gospel of John. John himself tells us. At the end of John, John chapter 20, he says, I've written some of the things down Jesus did. If I had written them all down, I could never, you, no book could hold them. But then he says this. So here's why this book is in the Bible. The Gospel of John. These things are written that you might believe. And that, in, and that in believing you would have life in his name. Eternal life. Now, but wait a second. John is talking to people who are alive. The gospel of John today that we have in our hands, and you can go ahead and turn there because we're going there next, John 10. The gospel of John is being read today by all of us in here, and we are, even if you're not of Christ, you are alive physically. So what in the world is John talking about? You will have life in his name. Wait a minute, they're alive people. No, they're physically alive. They're even soulishly active. Meaning we have a mind, everybody that's ever lived, was born, physical life, has a soul, mind, will, and emotions, but only those that are born again are spiritually alive. So when John says, you'll have life in my name, he is pointing us back to get off the physical, stop looking at this, this stuff, and start looking at what's really real. Guys, there is a reality the spiritual reality that is more real than anything we can see or touch, and we just don't believe it. And, and what I think we're going to see today in this passage in John 10 is that that is what Jesus is trying to convey to us. So when we come to a passage like I am the door, we need to ask ourselves the question, what in the world is this door giving us access to? And that's our training thought for today. What in the world is Jesus talking about? What is this door giving us access to? I'll say it again. First and foremost, eternal salvation. But it's more than that. 
This door, what we're going to see in these 10 verses, this door that was opened by God welcomes you into the spiritual reality if you'll just step into it. But I know already by the looks on some of you, they're like, I, I, this is just a little uncomfortable for me. I'd rather just stay in the known, in the physical. Guys, this shouldn't be new because the first two weeks of the I Am series, we did, we, did we not talk about this? In fact, in fact, think, just think about this. John chapter 4. We didn't start there, but I've alluded to it a few times. The woman at the well. When he says, uh, he says, if you drink from me, you will drink from living water. Is he talking about actual water? No. In fact, what does he say to the woman at the well? The hour is coming and now is that worshipers will worship God in spirit and in truth. Because God is spirit and he's looking for those that will worship him in spirit and in truth. So if we're just going to sit here and go truth, 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 physical, 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 we are not really fully worshiping. Now you fast forward to John chapter 6. I am the bread of life. They're like, five loaves, two fish. Where's the Lunchables? Was he talking about physical bread? No. It was, he was saying, I am the spiritual bread. Last week, I am the light of the world. Remember, they'd been basking in the glow of those giant candelabras for a week. Now they're in the pitch black, and he's like, I am the light of the world. Did he all of a sudden start glowing? No. What's he talking about? I am the spiritual light. So when we see the door, we should immediately go, wait a minute, he's probably not talking about a physical door, he's talking about a spiritual door. So let's look at our first point, and we're going to see that, that as we look at, so what does this door give us access to? The first thing is that the door is opened by God. So look at chapter 10, verse 1. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gate opens and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his... When he has, now look at, look at the, just the language here. It'll, it'll, make, it'll make more sense in our second point. When he has brought them all out all of his own, he goes before them, and, they, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of the stranger. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying, just like they didn't understand the bread, they didn't understand the light. Why? Because in Ephesians 1, the spiritual eyes of their heart had not been enlightened yet, or as Brian prayed in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the, the spiritual eyes of their, of their heart had actually been darkened and blinded by the, un, by, by the God of this world, Satan. And so, he's, so they don't get what he's talking about here. But guys, look at, so in verse 2 he says, those who entered the door... Those who enter by the door is the shepherd, I'm sorry, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. He's talking about himself there. He's, we're not, you're not the shepherd. He's saying those, the one who enters by the right door is the shepherd. Now we're going to see next week that he is, and he alludes to it here in, in the first few verses of chapter 10, but the rest of chapter 10 is, I am the good shepherd. He's saying, I am the shepherd. Now look at verse 3, to, to him the gatekeeper opens. Wait a minute, who opened the gate? Who opened the door? God, the Father. He's saying, so he's saying, the gatekeeper opened the door to the shepherd. The sheep know his voice. So 
God is the one who opens the door. Right? Now, now we've already seen that through just the, the, my allusion to 2 Kings in Elisha's life and Daniel, that this door is an opening into something bigger than just the body of Christ even. Than just like, I'm opening the door into church. I'm opening the door even unto salvation. He's saying, I am opening the door into the reality. Like, I am the way. Because you see how he says, and he leads them out. Now, wait a second. I thought it was to come in. The answer is yeah, but we're going to see in a few minutes we're going in and out. Well, you, you don't, we can't lose our salvation. So if, if, if the door is only the entrance into salvation, then somehow in this passage we have to believe that that door, even once we're out, when we're in, we can be, pulled, we can be, we can be let out. And when we're out, we can be led back in. And then we can be led back out again. And we know, as Bible-believing Christians, that that is not what the Bible teaches we didn't do anything to earn our salvation, so we can do nothing to lose it. So somehow, as Jesus is talking about this door, he's saying, this door the Father has opened. I am the shepherd that will lead you. We'll talk more about that next week. But, but what we have to understand is it's a door. It's a, here's the bottom line. It's a door to what? It's a door between what? It's a door between these two kingdoms that we talk about. This physical kingdom and the spiritual kingdom. Right? There, there are two kingdoms of reality. One is ruled by Satan right now, the God of this world, and the other is ruled by the King of kings and Lord of lords. And someday, at his second coming, those two kingdoms are going to slam back together perfectly, and he's going to renew all things. Right? Because in, in Matthew chapter 25, it's going to come up on the screen, it says this. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, so this is his second coming, when these, new kingdom, when these kingdoms are going to get slammed back together, and the angels with him, then he will sit on his, on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all of the nations, and he will separate people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by the Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. He's saying, guys, when I come again, I'm going to invite all of my sheep into what is already theirs. It's just not fully accomplished yet. So what are we supposed to do in the meantime? I'm glad you asked. Keep your finger in John 10 and turn, if you would, just to the left a few pages to Luke chapter 13. To Luke chapter 13. This is a really similar teaching in Luke to what John is talking about. He says this in Luke 13. I'm going to pick it up in verse 22. He went on his way through the towns and villages, teaching, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. And someone said, Lord, will those, who are, will those who are saved be few? And he said to them, strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and knock at the door, picture the, the ark and Noah and the flood here. The Lord Say, Lord, open to us, then he will answer, you do not know where you, I, I do not know where you come from. Then he will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence, and, we, and, we ta and you taught in our streets. But he's, he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. 
In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves are cast out. And, the, and, and people come, will come from the east and the west, from the north and the south, and recline at the table. It, it, it's, it's what he refers to in Revelation. There will be people from every tribe and tongue and nation all bought by the blood of the Lamb. They're all these. Are they're going to come and they're going to recline at the marriage supper of the Lamb, at, in the kingdom of God. And behold, some are last. Some who are last will be first, and some who are first will be last. I, guys, that is what is to come in the day that these two kingdoms, that His kingdom come, His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what's that's what's coming to us. Like, that's what we need to be ready for. But here's the beautiful part of it. All the way back in Psalm 118, written hundreds of years before Christ came the first time, he, the psalmist says, Open to me, O God, the gates of righteousness that I may enter in. That's what his first coming accomplished. So when Jesus says, I am the door, he's saying, I am the one by the Father who has punched a hole in this world so that you can enter the right way. And you can enter the gates of righteousness. And that's one of your readings this week. Look at your um, talking points question, the second one. We skipped the first one just in the interest of time. But look at your second talking points question. I'm going to give you a couple of minutes here to to talk about this. The first thing says, um, read Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. So I'm just going to read it for you. It says, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do, not, we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. So he's saying, we have a high priest. His name is Jesus. He gets us. He understands what we're going through. Now look at what the writer of Hebrews says. Because we have that, as we have him as our high priest, therefore let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that you may receive mercy and find grace to help you in your time of need. Draw near with confidence to the throne of grace of God. So here's the question. If the door gives us access to the very throne room of God, and it does, what keeps you from coming there? What presses you into that space? So take a couple of minutes, and if if we believe that Jesus is our access into the very throne of God, what things keep you from coming there? And what things press you in? So take a couple of minutes, answer that question, and I'm going to, come, I'm going to ask for um, some responses. Wrap it up. Um, or, or, um, like come, if I point at you and ask for something, have someone who has an answer. Because we are interactive here. We are participatory, not spectating at Cross Train. Right? right? We are participatory. Yes. Okay, so the question is, what keeps you from coming? It says, if, if Jesus is our access and, and actually invites us into the throne room through the door that he is, right, then what keeps us from coming there? Knowing we're sinners. Knowing, knowing we're sinners. So we have, this, we have this overwhelming sense of sin. Good, we'll come back to that because I'm sure it'll come up again. Distraction. What? distraction by life we just don't even think about the spiritual like the that that part of the spiritual world at all like that and that is honestly one of satan's chief devices to keep us like off mission is just keep us busy 
Right? Once, once, once you are Christ's and you are in Christ and he knows there's nothing he can do to get you out of Christ, his next best thing is to just keep you busy and apathetic towards the, towards the kingdom of God. Keep going. Ego. Ego. What do we mean by that? I'm a good climber. I can get over that wall. That's, that's good. Like this idea that somehow I can, um, I can get there myself. Good. What else? Isn't that it? So I don't know if you hear that. So we sometimes we so. Okay, so Mackenzie said <laughs> said that we sometimes doubt our worth. Taylor is saying that our ego can make us like almost like I can do it myself, and both and and, and guys aren't both true experientially in our hearts like moment by moment sometimes right that's just how good the enemy is and it's also just how broken we are one more wanting to blend in what do you mean by that so not wanting to stick out like for jesus in a crowd right good yeah guys you know i've used this phrase a lot here and um God has, if you are in Christ, you are a kingdom person, meant to live, left here to live by kingdom power for kingdom glory, right? And, and yet we function most of our time, even as Christians, living like a citizen of the world instead of a citizen of heaven. And I think it's, and it's all of these things you guys have so rightly shared that, that get us to that place. Okay, so if the question we're asking is, what does the door give us access to? Well, first, this door, opened by God, certainly gives us access into salvation, the very throne room of God. The second thing is that it invites, but it does more than that. It does that, but it doesn't do just that. It does more than that. It invites us into this spiritual reality, right? And that's what he's going to talk about here in this last point. So, so, so look at the last, um, starting in verse 7, and, and we'll see how it welcomes us in. So he says this, Jesus said to them again, truly, truly, I say to you. Now, he said that also in verse 1 of chapter 10. Do you remember what truly, what he's saying there is, I tell you the truth. The word there for truly, do you know what the word is in the Greek? Amen. It's the word amen that we like say when we're done praying. Because when you say amen to the end of a prayer, what you're saying is truth, brother. Truth, sister. Right? And so he's saying amen, amen. True, true, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. And then he says, all who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. Guys, look at, look at verse 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter through the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. Guys, there are other ways into the spiritual realm. It's the prince of darkness. Right? Those things are real. I mean, demons, are they didn't just stop happening in the time of Christ. Or we don't believe the stuff, not just that we read in Daniel, but we, I mean, what is Jesus casting out of people then? Right? They still exist. They're still just as real as anything we can see. And he's saying, those, they're in that spiritual world too. They just got there a different way. And it's not the right way. He's saying, I am the right way. Now let's keep going. All, all the game of our thieves... 
They're false prophets. They're, they're false teachers. They're still around today. They're deceived by the enemy. They're the Antichrist. They're all those things. And he says in verse 9, I am the door. If anyone wants to enter by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. I'm going to come back to verse 9 in a minute. Look at verse 10. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. But guys, he's not just talking about the here and now. He is talking about the here and now life, but not just the here and now life. We have got to get past this wanting to live and just, I'm just going to get by. And man, I, I mean, and, and, I, and I'm barely going to make it. And I'm hardly holding on. And guys, I get all those feels. I do. I live in those too. This morning I was living in them. I, was, I left my house yesterday morning at 7 a.m. I got home at 8 p.m. I was so fuzzy this morning as I was finishing my prep time. So behind. So like, I, I, was, I was in a massive pity party. I reached out to the other leaders of the church, hey, mighty men of valor, I need prayer. And they prayed. And the fog lifted. I get the wrestle, guys. The question is, what do you do and where do you turn when you feel the wrestle? He's saying, guys, think, think, just think about this, though. Right? We have got to start identifying ourselves the right way. You are a kingdom person. Meant to live by kingdom power, Garrett. For kingdom glory. Right? And just calling your... We got, we got to get past this, this idea that if I just call myself a Christian and try to live by his moral principles, that somehow I'm in. Like that's all he's called me to. I'm not saying you're not saved or not. It's not me to say. I'm saying he's called us to more than that. He's called us to be water walkers. He's called us to live on the edge for the kingdom. And we live in this sort of feebleness that, guys... That, that even in what we saw in, in the Luke passage in 13 and what he talks about in Matthew 7, remember what he says? Lord, didn't we, didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we do all these amazing things in your name? And just like he said in Luke, what does Matthew record? He says, depart from me. Yeah, you were saying my name. You were calling yourself a Christian, but you weren't really living by spirit power for spirit glory or for kingdom glory. You just weren't. You didn't know me, and I don't know you, is what he's saying. Guys, raising your hand and praying a prayer and coming to church on Sunday does not make you a Christian. And we've got to stop selling that to one another and to the world. Being born again, being transferred from the physical to the spiritual makes you a Christian. There's a great scene in Acts chapter 19. I'm going to take the time to share it. Don't turn there all right now because I'm preaching. But it's there, in Acts chapter 19, if you remember, there, there are these seven sons of Sceva. They're priests. They're Jewish priests. But they have somehow started to buy into this whole Christian thing, probably because they've watched Paul going around doing some pretty amazing stuff, like casting out demons. So these seven sons of Sceva come up to this demon-possessed man. And they're like, in the name of Jesus, come out of him. And do you remember what the demon inside the man says? He says, he says I know Jesus. I know him. They, they, they know, remember way back, like Matthew, is it six or seven, where he's cast out the, 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 um, the, man, the man called Legion, because there are many. When, when Jesus, all Jesus does is walk up to the dude, and he's like, the demon in him, the demons in him go, what do you want of us, son of man? They knew who he was. So the sons of, so, so the sons of Sceva are like, out of, out of this guy, Jesus. And the demon's like, out of this guy, um, demon. And this, and this guy's like, and, this, and the demon in the man goes, yeah, I know Jesus. 
I've even heard of Paul. So he's like, yeah, I, I've, I've heard about Paul, and he's legit. I don't know you. Do you remember what that man did to those seven? Pa-pow! He beats them all senseless, strips them naked, and they run away. Now, I don't know about you. I've never been in a fight like that, but I'm guessing that when you're naked and running away, you lost. <laughs> right? And so, I, so here's the point. The point is they thought, they're like, man, I'm, I'm using the name of Jesus. But they didn't actually believe They were not born again. Now let's go back to verse 9, and we're going to begin to land this plane. Verse 9, he says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, now here's that phrase again that just kept sticking with me as I was was studying this passage. He will be saved. Absolutely, he is the way of salvation. The way, the truth, and the life. And then he says, and, 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 he will come in and out and find pasture. Now wait a second, What, what is that about? It's not, he's not saying, I'm not saving them. He's saying, you're saved, but you are also moving to, it's conveying movement in and out. He's conveying that you're moving moment by moment through these spiritual, like through the physical and the spiritual. It's what, we, it's what we've all been talking about. It's this idea of being distracted. It's constantly Jesus walking on the water, and we're going to get to that scene here um, in a few weeks, Lord willing, but Jesus walking on the water and... and, and um, Sorry, and Peter, uh, and Peter looks at him, and, he's, and he gets out of the boat, and he walks in the water. And then it says, seeing the waves, seeing the wind, seeing the storm, seeing the physical, he begins to panic. So then he starts looking at Jesus again. And, then he's, and that is the battle we're always in, physical, spiritual, physical, spiritual. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. For the joy set before him, despising the shame, endured the cross. Right, and, and same writer Hebrews is the one we just read. And then boldly approach the throne of grace because of what he has done. He is connecting. Guys, Jesus has always talked about this already finished. It is finished at the cross, John 19. Not yet accomplished revelation. Right, the already finished, the not yet accomplished. It's this, it's this picture. Paul talks about it in Romans chapter 8, verses 29 and 30. For those he foreknew, he predestined, all that stuff. Then he gets to this place, he gets those he justified, he sanctified, and he will glorify. When we were in, um, I think it was 1 Thessalonians, we talked about how there's this, there's this weird, or no, it was Peter, 1 Peter, where there's this weird mystery of we are saved. We are. If you're in Christ, you are saved. You are being saved, and you will be saved. What is that all talking about? It's talking about the fact that we live in this, we're being saved. We live in this physical world. He has already made us born again. You are saved, the spiritual part of us. And at the end, and will be saved, will be glorified, those two things are going to slam together and catch up with that last one. And that's the day we're looking forward to. Maranatha, Lord. I mean, like, like seriously. But the day is drawing near. Time is getting shorter. I don't know when he's coming back. I just know it's a day closer than it was before the day started. But eternity is still just as long as it ever was. It goes forever. Hell is still just as real and hot as it ever was. Weeping and gnashing of teeth. We have got to start living more in 
the spiritual world. So look at your last talking points question, and I'm going to have the music team come up, and we're going to go into our time of response. Unlike most Sundays, we're not doing communion today. We're going to respond in a different way, and I'll explain that in a minute, but, but I want to go into this time of response, and so um, I am, you, you, you don't need your Bibles anymore. You can stop. That doesn't, but if you close your Bible, don't close your brain. But I just want to stop and take a minute, ask this question, talking point, the third talking point. It says, there is another kingdom coming, being fulfilled, what I was just talking about, that is more real than anything we can see today. And as born-again believers, we have access to it as kingdom people meant to live by kingdom power for kingdom glory. So here's my question, and this is what I, I just want you to, I want to take some time, and you can bring the lights down if you want, and we're going to, I'll explain to you how we're going to respond, but here's what I want to ask you. What is keeping you? What is keeping us from walking in and out of that door? Now that you see that what he's talking about there isn't just walk into the door of salvation, he'll get there next week as a shepherd. He'll get there in a few weeks as I am the way, the truth, and the life. But it's more than just walking in to the safety of the sheep pen. He's saying, no, I'm going to have you come in and out. What's keeping you from living in that dual citizenship? What's keeping you from living in the, I am a citizen. I mean, if you are, I'm a citizen of the United States of America. I'm, I'm called to function here and live here and do mission here. Because that's what he's called me to until he calls me somewhere else like Taylor and Farron are praying about. And I'm also, and I'm also, and I'm at the same time also, moment by moment, a citizen of the kingdom of God. And they are both just as real. Like, like they are, and someday they're going to come back together. Here, here's what I would like to just humbly suggest. There's probably two things that are keeping you from living in that dual citizenship. And it goes back to our like, strategy of, like, of growing people. One is connection to Christ. Right? It's, are, are you staying connected? It's why I felt led and the, and the elders agreed to do the seven I am's. Because, because we need that connectedness. I have been remiss the last couple Sundays. They've been out on the table for the last two Sundays. I, I challenge everybody in here to pick up a copy of this book, just take it, and read it. It's called Gentle and Lowly by Dane Orland. It came out about the time that the shutdown happened. Because I'm in school full-time also, I've read a lot of books in the last two years. Like, too many. I, I don't even like reading anymore. <laughs> this is the best book I've read. It is not the easiest book, meaning it's really convicting. Because what he, what, what he is going to lead you into and how it will flavor and season these seven I am's is he's saying, guys, we need to celebrate the fullness of Christ. Yes, he is the Lion of Judah that is returning. And yes, he is going to establish his kingdom. And yes, someday all of this stuff will go away. And, and he has power and authority. And he is also gentle and lowly. Because we do not want to be a people that see Jesus the way the people then saw Jesus. Remember when they were, when they were raving their palm brashes and saying, Hosanna, Hosanna? Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Did they really believe in Jesus? You know what they believed? They believed he was going to come back and establish, they believed he was there to establish an earthly kingdom. 
Guys, Jesus is not coming back to make America great again. He's not. It's okay. It's okay. Because we're called to a bigger kingdom. And, and, and only, I, th- I think, one of the things is when we start to see the fullness and the beauty of the gentleness of Christ, the humility of Christ, it gives us a much more robust picture for us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. And here's the second thing. The second reason that I think we struggle to live as dual citizens. And that's that we don't embrace growing in community enough. I lo- I, I'm sure he didn't even know, but I love where Brian took us in the prayer time about transparency. He didn't know this is where I was going to end today because I kind of just was fleshing this out even early this morning. But guys, ultimately, we need to grow together. And the only way you can do that is by being transparent, by being open, by being honest, by being real, by, by knowing that this is a safe place of kingdom people that, that, are, that are trying the best we can to live by kingdom power for kingdom glory. And so if you feel led, if there is something, if, if you feel like you're just imprisoned, like there's something that is holding you in bondage, he is the door, right? He's the door that will let you out of that cell that you're in, right? He is where freedom is found. So here's what I'd ask you to do is as, as the music team is, is doing the song of response and whatever else the rest of the time is before we close our time and go into our time of fellowship together, you all were given a white card. If not, there's white cards on the table. They're, they're all of just they're people that will get you one. If, if there is stuff that is keeping you in bondage from living, from walking through the door, back and forth, from living in that freedom that he's given you, write it down and hang it on the cross. Be like, yeah, but Doug, I've, I've, we've done this a bunch of times and I keep writing the same thing down. I get it. So have I. Right? We're all broken. Just keep giving it back to him. You'll find it in your hand again and just keep giving it back to him. But the other thing I think is, so it's not only is he the one that, where you find freedom, but he's also the door where, where you will find victory. Right? Like it, it's like this, it's like this, he's inviting us into this amazing world. Like the fullness of your salvation. And we're content. As C.S. Lewis said, we're content to sit on the shore and make mud pies when we've been invited into the banquet of the king. So the other thing I'd ask you to pray about during this time and, and seek the Lord in is. What is something in your spiritual walk, in the spiritual part of your walk with Christ, that you would love to grow in between now and the new year? It could be a spiritual discipline. It could be um, some relationship thing that you have. Like, I I would love to grow closer together with my spouse during this time spiritually. Uh, Whatever it is, write it down and put it on the prayer wall. Lift it up to the Lord trust that the minute you do it, he's hearing. I'll close with this and then I really am done. In 2 Peter, Peter says this. Therefore, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there there, there will be richly provided for you 
an entrance. I get this. For in this way, there will be provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let me pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for that truth. I thank you for the truth that you are the door, that you're the one that, you're the door that, that, that releases us from the bondage that we've placed ourselves in through our own sin and struggles, through our hopelessness, through our selfishness, through whatever those things are. Lord, I want to pray that, that, that you would remind us of the, of the reality, that it, spiritual reality, that it is finished. We are born again. And even though that dirt keeps sticking to us physically, spiritually it has been annihilated. So let us just keep writing it off of us and putting it back on your cross and remembering that as we do, that you have annihilated it. You have nailed it to your cross. Lord, I thank you too that you've invited us into something. It's not just you've saved us from judgment, but you've invited us into something and it's the kingdom. Now! That right now, your people gather together. This is as close to heaven as we're going to get this week. That growing together, growing in community is what preps us for what we'll be doing in eternity. So Lord, reveal to us the things that we need to let go of and the things that we need to grab hold of. And then give us the courage to walk across the room if that's what you want us to do. And Lord, let this time, not just the next few minutes, but even this series as we, as we prepare for the fulfillment of the greatest promise the world has ever seen fulfilled. You, punching a hole in this world and coming here in the flesh. Lord, let us use this time to be conformed into the image of Christ for your kingdom glory. Amen. In that, I just wanted to share a short piece of courage I'm going to step out.